Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords, and this is the 436th show of ROI. Today, our guests are Rick Sweet, Terry Toppler, and Dave Baker of the ROI crew, and we're going to be talking about ghostly ROI. Yes, very nice. Um, the, the history buffs for today's show are Terry Toppler and Rick Sweet and Dave Baker. So we're, we're pulling double duty today just to show off our multi-talented skills. Really? <laughs> the show's theme song is Kayla's Theme, written and performed by Mark Zapsapital, and our producer and engineer, as always, is Dave Baker. So welcome, everybody, to the show. Well, it's good to be Yay. here. I'm usually here, but I don't talk. Right, right. You get a chance to be out front for once. Yeah. You do talk. Of... You do talk. You give us the station break and identification. Well, that's true. Right, that right. right. Um, this is definitely a history is local uh, segment that we're doing here. And uh, because this is Halloween, in honor of Halloween, we thought it would be fun to just plumb some ghost stories that ROI staff uh, were familiar with. And we're going to start with uh, Dave Baker. Mm -hmm. um, why don't you start us off with the uh, tale of the dueling presidents? Well, the legend is, and now this has never been confirmed, it's not official, it's not in any kind of St. Ambrose University history, but this is a legend that's been passed down from generation to generation. There is apparently a ghost of Ambrose Hall, and this ghost uh, wanders about the halls, uh, usually fourth floor is where uh, this apparently, this ghost dwells. And the legend is, at least I was told, is that there were two individuals who happened to be priests at some point at the turn of the century who fought each other for the college presidency at the time. Now, I know that presidents are chosen at colleges and universities in more conventional methods than a battle to the death, <laughs> but I have the vision of them uh, with swords out and uh, them, them trying to uh, take each other down to gain this office of presidency. Apparently one of them did die, and then that's the spirit that uh, is unsettled and, and haunts fourth floor of Ambrose Hall. That's just a legend. It's never been confirmed, of course. There have been ghost hunters, uh, these people who use scientific equipment to come through, and they've looked for ghostly trails, and I think they've indicated they've found something, but... There have been uh, many individuals who have claimed that they've seen something walking through the halls at night. Some of the faculty working in their offices late at night have seen what appears to be a priest uh, walking with a, with a cloak on or his vestments, and, and they found it to be kind of comforting. And oh, so that's an interesting perspective on the whole thing because it's something so unsettling to most people. Um, but when I was a student uh, at St. Ambrose College at the time that it became a university, we didn't have any encounters on the third floor of Ambrose Hall. I spent a lot of time there with the school newspaper office, and there were many creepy sounds. You have a, a building that is 100 years old that is also full of steam pipes and old radiators and 
this time of the year when they start kicking that stuff on and everything's expanding and contracting the the metal that's old, you never know. Plus, you have a lot of prankster students running around. And right. college students, I have found, too, like to make up stories and rumors. Yeah. Well, and I'm just wondering if this story is well known enough that you have some of your Ambrose students for Halloween dressing up as the murdered priest. Because if I were here and I knew that story, I bloody well would be doing that. Right, with a lightsaber and right something like that. But have you yeah. ever seen that? No, but I, I do know that the, the room in particular that they claim that the incident happened in uh, is on the west end of Ambrose Hall which was built in 1901. It was the 1901 expansion, West End. And the Student Government Association, one year, I believe in the 1970s, early 80s, they sponsored a haunted house there. And there was a bathtub that they had painted red to indicate maybe that was blood in there. I'm not sure what kind of a haunted house it was because it was a pretty small space to have a haunted house <laughs> in, but students did what they did back then. And uh, But... That's apparently the space that it was done in, and I don't know if anybody's ever dressed up like that, but there is uh, enough information about this ghost of Ambrose Hall that it makes you just wonder, because uh, the housekeeper that used to take care of us on the third floor of Ambrose Hall told me that she would hear sometimes singing and whistling in the night, hmm. and okay. when students weren't even around. And she said, I think that's the ghost. <laughs> of course, of course, it could have been something else or someone else. It right. could have been a prankster. It could have been a student following her around saying, I'm going to make this lady think there's a ghost here. So, Well, and, and Dave, this the idea of the ghost in the old building and so forth um, also plays out in theaters, right? I mean, I would imagine right. that all of the theaters that are around yes. have some version of that I, somewhere along the way. I can't go into specifics. I know that there's a the commercial theater in Rock Island. I've heard some stories about that, that uh, they, they see a vision of someone up in a, a balcony. Uh, our own theater of the Galvin Fine Arts Center, the Allard Auditorium, there have been uh, rumors and, and you hear tales of, of ghosts. And what do they call the light? that is left on in the theater uh, for a safety net. Oh, a ghost light. A ghost light. Yeah. Which is very interesting because I think that carries uh, from all to all theaters. I think all theaters, it's kind of a blessing in some ways to say, oh, we've got a ghost in this theater. And uh, theaters creak. They're big places. Birds get in them. Bats get in them. Little, little creatures get in them like mice and whatever, and there's noises being made. Well, and I also wonder, um, John Keeley, who's... Uh, usually the host for our show, um, was a theater guy. Yeah. And uh, he talked about there being a ghost or something, that was his word, uh, something in the uh, in the orchestra pit, which of course is below ground level. Is that at West High School? Yeah, at West oh, High School. okay. That you'd hear, because it's usually used, particularly now that, that so much of the music is canned and so forth, it's often used as a storage area as opposed right. to you know, putting an orchestra in there that you can't see. And so, yeah, he talked about, you know, there would be sounds. You'd hear chairs moving around or whatever, but you knew there was nobody down there. And so I often wonder if, if we don't, in some ways, invent those things because there's a certain coolativity factor. Right. I'm supposed to, I'm a theater, I'm supposed to have something. Coolativity. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but I, you know, I wonder if we don't if we don't have one, we make one up because any theater worth its chops has got to right. have something like that. Well, and it's a tradition that's passed down. And I think that as as the old guard retires and moves along, and the younger ones have heard some of these stories, they manifest. I mean, certainly this dueling. Uh, priest story is is got every kind of swashbuckling image right. that you could imagine <laughs> right. uh, for for a college presidency in the early 1900s. Now, when you know when the student journalists have investigated all of this, and that is a big part of the story, the student journalists investigating these stories. When they have investigated this, they have come to dead ends every single time. They ask all the historians on campus. They check police records. Was there a murder at St. Ambrose College? No, no. Did a, did one priest kill another priest? No, it never happened. Where did this come from? Where are you talking about? And, you know, I, it, that is a, a lot of the story is the chase to get the story. And so that's what we find our students doing. And they still chase to get that story well and and i think i'm just thinking of QAnon and and the the sort of right-wing conspiracy we all kind of want to believe at some level that there is some mystery there's some piece of information that you know that ambrose buried this duel somewhere (laughs) along the way because it would make the university look bad and 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 there's a part of us that wants to believe that that sort of stuff does happen um i'm thinking of all of the um uh crime novels that have become popular in the last quarter century there is almost inevitably that element as part of the plot that that this thing happened but the powers that be shoved it under a rug and and so nobody wants to admit and then our hero comes in and and resolves figures it out and resolves it so i think that also feeds that a little bit and we second guess ourselves and we can think ourselves into all sorts of situations because i know that if i went this morning uh when we're recording this show in broad daylight to fourth floor of ambrose hall and i'm walking up that staircase the hair is going to stand up on the back of my neck for no good reason at all. There's there's no fact that there's a ghost there, and uh, there certainly is no proof that there was any kind of duel or anything like that. But I'm going to be thinking, wait a second, did that really happen? What's this ghost going to do to me? Is this ghost going to appear and try to scare me or do something? There have been tales also of lights going on and off up there on the third and fourth floor on the West End. West End has got a lot of that building has got a lot of charm and lore and legend about it. So, <laughs> all right. We have a lot more to talk about and a lot more scary tales to relate. So, please stay tuned for the next segment of our show. This is ROI on KLA St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. The KALA website is your one-stop spot to find out more about your favorite radio station. Submit a public service announcement. Catch up on news about KALA. And listening to any of our three stations, 885-1061 or The Stinger, is just a click away. Visit KALAFM.org. That's KALAFM.org. All 
Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords. This is the second segment of the show referred to as The Kitchen Table. And our guests today are Rick Sweet, Terry Toppler, Dave Baker, and we are talking about ghostly ROI. So I'm going to get the honor of starting out today um, with a true, in quotation marks, um, ghost story. And, and I think this will relate back to the, the previous segment when we were talking about how this sort of thing happens because this is a ghost story that you can absolutely play two different ways depending on your predilection. So um, the house that I grew up in, my parents built, my dad literally built with his own hands, and uh, it was basically two houses stacked on top of each other so that they could live in the first floor while they were building the second floor, okay? So when I was... I don't know, 12, maybe 12 or 13. Nah, yeah, 12, definitely. Um, anyways, my parents decided for whatever reason, I have no idea, they didn't talk to me about it, uh, decided to rent out that first floor, that basement floor to an old, older guy. Um, and this older guy had very few possessions, but the one possession he had that he was really proud of was an upright player piano, um, piano, an upright piano. So think a honky tonk kind of piano okay and he um he was a neat guy he was in his 80s at least i never asked him what his age was but he was pretty old uh and and a little frail but he had been a honky-tonk piano player in new orleans when he was younger and so he would i would go down after school and he would play piano for me and it was really cool and he and i got to be very very good friends very close friends um and so we had to go to California for my uh, to visit my brother who lived in in uh, a suburb of Los Angeles. And so we flew out. And when we came back, we uh, found that this guy had died in the basement. He died in his sleep. Died in his in his bed. Um, and there was no body there. I mean, you know, it's none of that. We had neighbors had come over and been coming over and checking on him. And so you know that whole thing. Um, but it still had happened in our house. Okay. So fast forward to maybe April or May, something in that neighborhood. And my best friend and I, um, basically talked ourselves into spending the night downstairs in the bed because we hadn't, my parents hadn't got rid of the bed. They hadn't, you know, they'd changed sheets or whatever. They hadn't gotten rid of the bed or any of that. All the, the guy's stuff was still there because he had nobody else. There were no relatives that had been contacted. Um, and so the stuff was there and we talked ourselves into it. We were going to go down here. We we're going to spend the night in this bed that somebody had died in. All right. So you can imagine the conversation that's going on between two 12 year old boys as this thing is, is, you know, as we're getting ready to do this and we told ghost stories, you know, and, and the whole nine yards. Um, so we finally went to bed, fell asleep. And then at some point in the evening, I sort of woke up. I didn't completely kind of wake up, but it was one of those where I heard something. I wasn't sure what I heard, 
but I heard something enough to sort of, you know, and, and then it was like, obviously I started to drift back to sleep and then I heard something again, only this time it was slightly more distinct. So this sort of off and on thing happens two or three times. Each time the sound that I'm reacting to is getting louder. Okay. So we finally get to the point where I begin to realize that this is piano music that I, what I'm listening to is, is a song being played on a piano. And the next time it cycles around, not only did I recognize that it was piano music, but I began to realize that it was my favorite song that this guy had played for me. Okay. And so at this point, I'm starting to get a little freaked out, you know, cause I'm awake enough now that my brain is, is at work and, and I'm starting to get a little weirded out. So I woke up my, my buddy who's, who's in the bed with, with me, it's, you know, big double bed. I woke up my buddy and I'm like, dude, listen to this, listen to this. He's like, what, what are you? And then he heard it. It was got, it had gotten closer and he turns it, you know, and, and now we're, we are, we're feeding each other, right? We're both freaking out. Did you, yeah, I heard that. I would need to know. And so we're getting, you know, it's getting more and more agitated <clears throat> and then it sounded as if, because, you know, we had a bedroom and then on the immediate wall was where the, on the other side of the bedroom in the, in the main areas where the piano was. And it sounded like that piano was playing up to that point. It had almost sounded like record, like a record somehow, but this all of a sudden it sounded like the, uh, the piano just on the other side of the wall is actually playing. And instead of playing just a piece, it played the whole thing, played the whole song. And instead of being more frightened, all of a sudden, I just felt this really calming, this sort of envelope of love. And the thought that came into my head at that moment was that this guy had come back to play this song one last time as sort of a farewell. I'm saying I didn't get to say goodbye to you. So I'm going to play this song for you, your favorite song. I'm going to make you feel, you know. And that's the way it felt. It was just common. I just all the the, you know, the the sweat and the nerves and the, you know, the goosebumps and all that all of that stuff went away. Just disappeared. And he played the song which was probably two and a half minutes or so. Well, you know, it wasn't like it was 30 seconds. Um he played this song out and then it just, I, again, I just felt like, okay, goodbye, love you, and that feeling faded away, okay? And I, you know, sat there in, in this bed for about 20 seconds, and then I lost my mind, okay? Panic just came crushing, and what happened here? What's going on? My buddy is freaking out, you know, has been freaking out the whole time. He doesn't feel what I'm feeling, and so we dash upstairs, we wake up our parents, which frightened them to death, okay, because we're, they thought, I'm sure they thought some intruser had broken into the house or whatever. So they come downstairs, and I'm like holding on to my dad's leg, and I'm like, man, don't go out there, don't go, you know, and he walks out, and there's, of course, there's nothing there, and and the piano hasn't been messed with or whatever, Um and uh, so we ended up sleeping in sleeping bags in my parents' room for the rest of the night because we couldn't 
couldn't deal with it otherwise. Um, so, so here's a story that is true to my experience, but you can see how you can play this either way. You know, you could, if you take it at face value, I had a paranormal experience and it was a positive one. Okay. You can also see how we talked ourselves into a little bit of mass hysteria, you know, and, and other than that little calming moment, which doesn't quite fit the, the mold, you can see how this was entirely a psychic or a psycho psychological creation. All right. So, um, I'm just interested in the panel. What do you think of that story uh, as a story? Okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> You were bonded to this guy. He was a great guy, and he died, and you really missed him. And somewhere subconsciously in that pea brain that you had as a 12-year-old, dare I say, let me let me rephrase it, the developing brain as a 12-year-old. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I think it's, I think it's uh, purely plausible. His uh, spirit came back, played your favorite music, and then he disappeared, and uh, you just weren't ready to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I don't know. What do you think, Terry? Well, it depends on what kind of experiences one has had and how one interprets that. And so from where I come from, I would say it's very plausible. Um, and I think what we focus on is really the result, especially when you have that utter feeling of calm and peace. And then I think truly, yes, that was the purpose of that um, experience. It's interesting because you missed this individual so much and you you could have manifested all this, but also I've had dreams where I've had deceased people who I know are gone communicate with me and there they are. And I know that they're gone and I've, I've actually, I know it's a dream because I know, but, but I'm talking to them and I've, I've said, I think a grand grandparent and I've said, so so are you doing okay up there? And and you know, and it's like, yeah, doing everything's fine. So you're taking care of the dog, the dogs that are up there that we've lost, and, you know, and that kind of conversation. So I think we, you know, I think it could be it could be a couple of things, you know, that that happened. But your but the thing is, your friend heard it too, right? Which which really that mm-hmm. says a lot. But because, did he whip him into hysteria? Right, and that's the, the that's the obvious response, the obvious scientific response to that. We're not in the yeah. science. We're in the ghost. It, it is that situation of this was something we and we were I mean, you can't argue that we weren't primed for something to happen. In fact, that I think was you guys the, wanted something yeah, to happen. Yeah, that was the point. Yeah, that yeah. that's exactly right. We Jay, were absolutely May looking. I may I piggyback on something they've mentioned about dreaming about uh, people who had passed? Uh, when my mother passed, she was the world's champion chocolate chip cookie baker, renowned throughout the solar system, actually. And the joke was at the seance, the whatever, <laughs> right. that, you know, mom is up there baking chocolate chip cookies for God, St. Peter, all the rest of them. And I actually had a dream. Dave said he had a dream time right, right. that... You know, talking to my mom, are you baking cookies for Did she the say, same? yeah, but the, but the temperatures are off? <laughs> she said, yes, exactly. She said, yes, I'm not used to a gas oven. <laughs> so apparently heaven, heaven has a gas oven. Right. <laughs> not in the technology, apparently, up there. All right. Oh, um, great. 
I think we have another example of of a personal experience ghost story. Um, Terry, you have a a story about uh, your uh, library, right? Of course, yeah. So let me give you a little setting here. This goes back to the old days of the card catalog. Um, I was working at that time in a library. It was an elementary middle school library, which was in the shape of a long bowling alley. So on one whole south wall was fiction, all these fiction stories. Um, Our greatest technology in this time period was index cards, subject cards, title cards, author cards. Okay. So there was no internet, no Google search, nothing like that. And so when we would get books in, of course, oftentimes the cards would come with them or we would have to create our own cards. Well, this was a problem when we'd have anthologies which would be one book, but a collection of short stories. And unless we took the time to individually type up a card for every single short story, um, they weren't there. So you would go through the anthology when it arrives and kind of sort of remember, you know, what short stories were there. So this particular time, um, I dreaded when I had a, a teacher ask me for a particular short story. And they said, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in the library. It's in one of the books. I said, oh, what's the title of the anthology? Well, they didn't remember. And some of our anthologies are actually uh, cataloged with fiction books. So I'm thinking, oh, Lord, how am I going to find that book? And so I'm literally, literally walking down the aisle past the fiction collection when a book literally falls off the shelf and lands at my feet. So I pick it up, look at it. It's like, oh, that's the anthology I needed to find because in there was that short story. What are the odds? One in 100 million. I have no idea. But I just looked up to the ceiling and said, thank you, library gods, for helping me find this short story. (laughs) Yes. Whoever he or she may be. Exactly. So, so Terry, when, when this happened, what was your emotional response to it? Um, kind of dismay, because I couldn't believe my good fortune <laughs> that this book, that I would probably have been spending hours trying to figure out <laughs> where that short story was and in what anthology literally fell off the shelf right in front of me as I'm walking by. Um, just disbelief. And then gratitude. Thank you. <laughs> it's about all that. But then later, of course, you know, I get home and thinking, what are the odds that happened? That was really weird. Did you did you find yourself involuntarily looking around like wait a minute you know something no, must have fact, No, in fact I should say the library was particularly quiet at that moment. We didn't have little children running around or anything at that point. So it was just me and and the library secretary who was over at the circulation desk. So no idea. Absolutely no idea how that happened, but it did. Okay. So it sounds to me like at least for you in the moment you didn't in you didn't give this event a a uh, paranormal bent. You just kind of went, you know, what are the odds? This is amazing that just exactly the book. Well, I, I did think this is extremely odd. And yes, later I thought, hmm, 
maybe. But at the time, I was just particularly grateful that, hey, there's the book. That's the one that I needed to find. <laughs> it literally fell at my feet. <laughs> you, you were feeling, your, your first thought was practical. Oh, my God, I don't have to search for this thing for the next two exactly. hours. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, I get that part, too. Absolutely. <laughs> it's only later that you realize that was a truly odd experience. <laughs> right. And and I think that happens a, a lot. I'm going to, in, in our podcast segment that I hope people stick around to, um, <clears throat> Rick doesn't have any ghost stories, but he has a wonderful story about going into, I think it was a salt mine, and, you know, which is miles down. And, you know, walking out with no light but this little lamp beam and listening to the sounds going on. And I'm not going to go any further than that, but I'm definitely, you know, so it's I'll not a, ready. Yeah, it's not a ghost story per se, but at the same time, I, I do think that's maybe how ghost stories happen. It's not in the moment that we have that thought. It's afterwards, after we've had a time, a chance to process a little bit, that we start, you know, sort of adding in flavor or color or whatever to this experience because it was shocking or or um surprising or whatever and and we need to make sense of this thing that really doesn't make sense because in terry's case it doesn't make sense that 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 the book you're looking for is falling off the shelf at that moment um so so we want to give it meaning where maybe there isn't any meaning maybe it just was that one in 100 million chance All right, so um, to to wrap this up, uh, I'm going to have each of our panel members um, do kind of a a one-minute statement here to this question, and we'll see what what kinds of things we get. Um, So why do you think telling ghost stories is relevant in today's world? And I'll just kind of go around the horn, metaphorically speaking, and let Rick start. Well, I do believe that we need explanations for the unexplainable. Um, And there's a certain comfort. Uh, You can extricate yourself from the dark bedroom and go to the light and everything's okay. So there's a a safe. But I, I think we need to be thrilled and scared, I, I believe, as humanoids, uh, uh, to grow as people, I really think that the, that fear and and uh, being scared uh, is a learning experience. Okay, David, I think there's a certain amount, as Rick said, of enjoyment that people have uh, by relating these experiences. And I have experienced our students coming together as a group, talking about their shared experiences, and we'll talk about. Well, there's a legend of this ghost in Ambrose Hall, and then there's supposed to be a legend of something in Davis Hall at St. Ambrose. And and the students will gather around, yeah, I've heard about that too. And they seem to enjoy doing each other better by a better story. <laughs> it, it's like they're like fish tails in One some ways. One-upsmanship. One-upsmanship. <laughs> and also, like, like Rick said, there's a certain amount of comfort, and also there is that, that also that... that uh, a feeling of uh, that you want to be scared, but you know, in reality, everything's really going to be fine. There, thus, we have haunted houses that's, right. that are everywhere in our community right now, and people pay. They pay for that entertainment to be scared. Right. So, right. yeah, that's what I think. Okay, Terry. 
Yes, I would agree with that. I think we love the thrill of excitement, but we want to have it occur in a safe setting. So we know we're physically safe, but we're also enjoying um, the entertainment of this. And I think that's a characteristic of a good uh, ghost story where the unpredictable happens in a common everyday place. Um, I, I'll kind of wrap things up by taking a different twist. I th- I think ghost stories are necessary because they provide a sense of wonder. They provide a um, an inexplicableness, and we want to believe that 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 there's something out there that we can't understand or that we don't understand. Um, you know, we live in a world that, in many ways, is confined by our knowledge conscripted by our knowledge we can't do this that or the other thing because it's irrational or because the the laws of physics won't allow you to do that and we all have that desire to to say you know gosh wouldn't it be really cool if you could break those rules and ghost stories seem to be examples where the rules get broken and i think that serves a purpose all right when we come back we're going to wrap things up please stay tuned This is ROI on KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. You're listening to Relevant or Irrelevant. This series is produced at St. Ambrose University's KALA Radio and has been honored by the Midwest Broadcast Journalists Association and the Iowa Broadcast News Association for excellence in public affairs journalism. You can hear this edition of ROI and many previous programs in this series by visiting Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, plus Apple Podcasts. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the Metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2. This concludes our 436th show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme and is written and performed by Mark Zapsapital. My name is Jay Swords, and we'd like to thank our guests, Rick Sweet, Terry Toppler, and Dave Baker of the ROI crew. And we've been talking about ghostly ROI. The history buffs for today's show were that same group of folks. This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to wish all listeners to experience the great Basutu proverb, Hotso Pulanala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night. Good night.